not failed. So、uh, that's something I've been expecting a very strong、uh, recovery in factory and in export,、uh, and that that will be driving、uh, the economy.、Uh, but in terms of、uh, The domestic side, it's going to be, it's going to be anemic. You look at the property sector. Obviously, the developers are still not servicing their debt.、Mm. They get some、uh, dedicated liquidity to keep projects going or construction going,、uh, and and that's about it. And then you look at the local governments.、Uh, they couldn't sell land. They don't have the money to pay this, the the the, the, the civil servants. Uh, so uh, they, they certainly want to have a spare money to keep going all these projects. So I, th- I think a lot of、uh, quite a significant weaknesses in, on the domestic side. So the the,、uh, the hope is still that on the external side,、uh, the global economy is still ticking, and、uh, Chinese、uh, exports are very competitive. Andy, thank you very much indeed. It's always a pleasure talking with you. That's Shanghai. That's Shanghai-based independent economist Andy Sher. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio Three. Let's take a final look at the、uh, at the markets for this morning. Let's take a final look at the markets for this morning. I actually can't hear myself speaking anymore, so I'm not sure that.、Uh, yes, I can.、Um, the markets this morning. Sorry about that.、Uh, the ASX 200 in Australia right now is trading at、uh, 0.2% lower than the K225 in Japan, up three quarters of a percent. The Cosby in South Korea. Down one and a quarter percent, and futures markets pointing to a loss of about 170 points later on this morning.、Uh, let me give you an update on the weather forecast. Just before I go, going to be mainly cloudy, bright periods during the day, maximum temperature of around 21 degrees, mild and misty tomorrow, and then windier on Wednesday. Temperature right now is 19 degrees, 87% relative humidity. Do please join in、uh, with Money Talk again tomorrow morning at eight o'clock. Back chats coming up after the news with Jim Gould and Mike Rouse. Eight thirty-two. Here's Todd Harding with the half-hour news. A member of the International Social Service says an estimated ten thousand students will cross the border into Hong Kong on Wednesday to return to in-person classes here for the first time in three years. Arrangements have been made for the students to return in phases, starting with secondary pupils, and to be followed later this month by primary and kindergarten children. Iris Liu from the Hong Kong branch of ISS told RTHK that students and teachers would need time to adapt, having held online classes for so long. Three years of internet classes have taken a heavy toll on the students' physical, psychological, and academic development. Even some of them, before they know how to speak Cantonese, and now they are not practicing and is、uh, have difficulty in, in communication. And there's a no physical class for many years. Not only the students, but also the school staff need a period of time to adapt. Now. Chief Executive John Lee says he's looking forward to building stronger ties between Hong Kong and Saudi Arabia as officials launch negotiations on an agreement to promote investment between the two. Mr. Lee spoke at an investment forum hosted by the Trade Development Council in Riyadh. The agreement will further promote bilateral investment flows and strengthen confidence of investors. From both sides, we're also working to begin negotiations on an MOU promoting direct investment cooperation that can only fast track our business and investment collaboration. 
Saudi Investment Minister Khalid Al-Fali, who also attended the forum, said there are several areas in which Hong Kong and Saudi can work together, including financial services. And police in Hong Kong seized almost 200 servers containing stolen data from over 500 people around the world from February to December last year. The data was collected internationally using malicious apps disguised as legitimate software and downloaded by users. Officers say none of the victims were in Hong Kong and the suspected perpetrators are also outside the SAR. Superintendent Fan Chun Yip from the Cybersecurity and Technology Crime Bureau said the stolen data could have been used against the victims. During our investigation, uh, it was found that the local service contained a large amount of victim personal photos stolen from their mobile phone's album. Some of the photos contained intimate personal parts, identity cards, bank cards, uh, login credentials and some uh, personal uh, information. It was believed that together with the stolen phone book, a scammer could blackmail the victim by sending the about photos to their friends or family. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Jim Gould and your guest presenter is Mike Rouse. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're talking about the full border reopening between Hong Kong and mainland China. Almost uh, all restrictions have been dropped, no more quotas or pre-departure COVID tests for most travellers and no booking required to cross the border. But those who've been overseas in the previous seven days will still need to show a negative PCR test result obtained within 48 hours before departure from Hong or Macau to the mainland. All border crossing points, including Lo Wu, Heng Yun Wai and Lok Ma Chao, are open again. After nine o'clock, we'll turn our focus to a related subject, the new Hello Hong Kong promotional campaign that's aimed at attracting visitors to the territory, with more than half a million free plane tickets to be handed out, along with a million spending vouchers for tourists. Let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. Joining us now in our Admiralty studio, we have uh, Inyake Amate, who's uh, chairman of the European Chamber of Commerce. Good morning to you. And also on the line, uh, George Cawthorley, the Vice Chairman of the International Chamber of Commerce, and Howie Wong, uh, Vice Chairman of the Hong Kong Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades. Um, Inyake Amate, perhaps uh, we can uh, come to you first. Uh, uh, how much of a boost is this uh, full reopening of the border going to be to uh, overseas uh, international businesses operating here in Hong Kong? Well, we don't know for sure, but I mean, we, we really hope that it's going to be a significant boost. Um, you know, we've been asking for this for for so long that now when it's coming, finally, it's like we are so surprised that it's happening so fast. But at the same time, we all know that, I mean, um, our members have factories, uh, partners, suppliers on the other side that they have not been able to visit for so long that now we are really looking forward to go back and visit. So how much... People are going to jump into the train or jump into the bus, jump into a car, go across uh, the border. That's difficult to predict today. Um, we, we are a bit cautious. We are a bit cautious because we also hear messages from our members that, I mean, after all these years, there is a little bit of uh, 
um, there is a little bit of reluctance to jump too quickly into going across the border and start setting up business as it used to be. These three years, I think they have uh, taught, uh, taught us that it's better to wait and see how things develop over a bit longer period of time before you, you go and, and see things changing too quickly. So I think we, we're probably going to see um, um, not a radical, a radical change, but I think we are going to start seeing a, a small increase of traffic. We're going to start seeing companies and organizations gradually going and resuming going back there. But we are not going to see um, you know massive move back to right. setting up offices and, uh, and companies in China. So not a huge surge. But, but a steady return. That's right. A bit cautious. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, three years is a long time for no travel, no sort of uh, interchange. I mean, have businesses developed uh, new ways of working during that time? I think so. And I, you know, a lot of people had to think about plan Bs, plan Cs. Uh, some people relocated, some organizations relocated offices. Now, when finally things are opening, I think those plans need to be rethought. They need to be replanned. Um, we've been actually saying that Hong Kong has an integral part to play on all this. Hong Kong traditionally has been that middle harbor um, that allows people to, without too much risk, start operating in China. And now when people are starting to rethink what is the role that they want to have China playing in their own, in their own businesses, Hong Kong has an advantage. Mm, right. Mm. It's interesting that the mindset you're talking about, a cautious approach to, to going back, because the lady on the news earlier was almost saying exactly the same thing about school children yes. uh, coming, coming to uh, study here again after three years of, of online. It, we're talking time, aren't we? It's going to be a time issue. I agree. I think, I mean, there is no doubt that there will be a recovery. There's no doubt that, you know, at some point we all expect to go back to uh, pre-COVID levels. The question is how long it will take. Um, so how fast we're going to get there. And I think that's the, you know, how everyone is at the moment thinking. Is it going to be a question of months? Is it a question of years? Uh, and it depends on a number of other issues as well. Depends on the geopolitical situation. Depends on the um, macroeconomics of how you know different crises playing around the world are going to impact this region. Mm -hmm. All right. uh, George Cawthorley, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. So uh, we, we've waited a long time for this to happen. Uh, um, how are you feeling about it now? Well, of course, very encouraged um, because you know we're no longer locked up, as it were. Um, I, I agree with the previous comments um, that I think uh, we can't expect uh, a huge impact from this. Um, but the fact is now the gates are open um, and uh, business businesses uh, will start coming. I mean, I, I have 10 this week. Um, they they organize their trips before this latest thing. Um, but it does give an indication that people who have been active uh, in the area um, are very keen to come back and review things, um, exactly what the outcome of these visits will be. Uh, I don't know. I am, I'm hopeful that we can persuade them that uh, there's still a good future for them uh, in, in this area. Um, but the fact is that we can get face-to-face -face discussion going, and that's, that's very valuable. Um, I think uh, during these three years, of course, a great deal has happened. So 
um, the landscape is somewhat different from what it was, say, back in 2019, um, particularly uh, from the geopolitical perspective. And, of course, there's a lot of caution about supply chains. Um, and this, uh, I think people are now feeling that they shouldn't have all their eggs in the China basket um, and that they must do some diversification. It doesn't mean that they're going to pull out of China completely. Um, so you may not get back uh, for a long time uh, to the level of activity that there was. Mm. And what about Hong Kong's status, as if you like, you know, the shop front for the mainland? to see maybe some uh, returns of the companies that push some of their activities out of Hong Kong with, with um, this a border opening? I think, well, com- I mean, companies that uh, you know, uh, moved out of Hong Kong, I think that's going to take some time. Right. Um, if you made one move, you're not going to, you know, and, and you've got used to it, um, you're going to be very cautious about whether you want to come back or not. People, companies have just moved staff out, uh, I think they'll move them back pretty quickly um, and uh, consolidate uh, their operations in Hong Kong. Mm, yeah, that, that's interesting. Uh, um, we, we've talked uh, several times on this program previously about companies relocating staff or regional headquarters uh, from here to Singapore. Um, do, so are you saying you would now expect um, at least uh, some of those people to be coming back here? Yes, certainly. Yeah. I mean, I think in, in, in terms of regional headquarters, um, a lot depends on the geographic uh, area that the headquarters covers. So if regional headquarters uh, have a big coverage in terms of their China business, um, business uh, uh, east of Hong Kong, um, then Hong Kong is still more preferable to Singapore. If their focus is much more on uh, countries west of Singapore, then perhaps Singapore to them is a little bit more valuable. Um, so I think there's those considerations also have to be taken in. Well, let, let's let's kind of uh, switch our attention a little bit to, to what it means for the local economy, because uh, our third guest this morning is, is Howie Wong, uh, Vice Chairman of the Hong Kong Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades. Good morning to you. Hi, good morning. So are you expecting now a big uh, pickup in business as uh, you know, more visitors coming uh, from mainland China? Um, definitely, we, we do see this already uh, occurring. Um, I mean, over the, the CNY holiday um, till now, um, you know, we've seen a constant increase in visitors to Hong Kong, especially from the mainland. So, uh, especially in, in the tourist areas like Tim Sha Chui and, and Causeway Bay, um, you see, you know, uh, more of the retail shops and restaurants uh, filling up. And, you know, it, it does bring, you know, a lot of uh, encouragement uh, to the industry to uh, you know, further open up more restaurants and, you know, welcome more visitors from around the world. Yeah. How about the staffing? There's quite a lot of trades reported that they 
people had gone into other industries and other sectors. Yeah, that's, that, that is a, a big problem, um, either in different industries or maybe some people have left Hong Kong as well. So um, it's also one thing that we also wish uh, to have, you know, possible, um, uh, you know, additional staff from maybe uh, from China come to Hong Kong or from other regions to help out the industry. Um, you know, we, we are in a staff shortage right now. We see some... Uh, part-time staff uh, from, you know, anywhere from $80 per hour to, uh, you know, 100 or even more than $100 per hour uh, in some cases. So it does put a lot of pressure on the industry to, you know, sustain um, the long-term business for, you know, for, for growth because, you know, everyone is pulling back and forth for staff right now. Right. It puts, it puts the debate about whether we should move to $40 an hour as the minimum wage somewhat in perspective, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. Um, I think right now, even uh, you know, what, uh, at the government minimum wage right now, uh, it's not uh, you know at a at a at a at a point uh, at, a, at a at a place where you can actually hire someone. So uh, right now, it's pretty much double uh, what the government um, uh, guidelines are, and um, you know, it, it's it's a market-driven economy, and Hong Kong has always been like that. And um, you know, it's it's something that we uh, we need to look at. Um, it's hard to increase prices to the end customer as well, right? So, uh, you know, the industry is looking hard to see how we can, uh, you know, control costs in terms of wages and even in terms of uh, material costs as well. If we need more people in restaurants and, and retail, um, where do you see them coming from? Is it, would it just be the mainland or are there other potential sources we should be looking at? Um, no, there's definitely a, a lot of potential sources. Uh, I mean, even right now, we see um, a, a lot more uh, Western restaurants opening, which uh, have the need for uh, English-speaking uh, staff as well. So we do see more, um, uh, you know, waiters or managers from, you know, different parts of, you know, the Asia-Pacific coming to Hong Kong. Um, but obviously, the majority uh, would be more staff, uh, potential staff from China. Right. Places like Philippines, are you thinking? Oh, yes, definitely possible. Um, I mean, uh, uh, we see, you know, Philippines community in Hong Kong is very strong. And, uh, you know, it's always been, um, you know, a, a great community to, you know, work with uh, the Hong Kong F&B industry as well as you see in a lot of the restaurants. Mm. Yeah, Mr. Amati, are your members talking about bringing in people? We do. And we, I'm very happy to hear actually our previous uh, commentator uh, saying that we need more people from very different parts of the world. We, we believe that, I mean, it's key that we get um, uh, back to being a very diverse community to, beca to remain an international business hub. And, and that only is possible if we uh, acknowledge and understand that we need to be open to bring people from all over the world. Um, of course, our industries... Um, Re rely on understanding the the diversity that is required in order to deal with China and also with the region. Um, but more and more, we see that uh, the the landscape is has changed in these last three years. With a lot of people uh, from the international community leaving, we basically see a city that is a lot less diverse than what it used to be. Right. And this is something we've been actually asking for and, and requesting that I mean we pay attention in all levels of the community. George? Yeah, I, I, I agree with this. I mean, I think uh, 
diversity has been an important element of the Hong Kong economy in terms of uh, people coming here. Um, and we need to uh, get back to that uh, situation again. Um, and so I, I mean, what, what's been quite good is that the government seems more recently to have, have been more relaxed about things like quotas on uh, foreign uh, uh, people coming in to work here, particularly in the key industries where they want to encourage uh, development. I mean, for instance, in the biotechnology industry, which I'm involved with, um, basically, uh, you know, there's, there's no quota now on uh, people of a certain level coming in. So uh, that's, that's, I think, the right direction to go. So because the presence of so many people from so many different places is historically part of the atmosphere of Hong Kong. I, I Absolutely, yes, yeah. Um, and uh, it's part of, I think, why people come to Hong Kong, because it's a good, diverse community. Yeah. Um, of course, we talk, everywhere, everywhere's been hit by COVID. In, in that sense, we're the same as everyone else. But we did have six months of social disturbances before the COVID. Um does that mean it's going to take us longer to work our way back? I don't, I mean, I don't think that the disturbances had much effect on uh, foreign business people coming to Hong Kong. So I don't think that's going to be uh, an additional uh, barrier um, to picking up speed of people coming back here. What do you think now that uh, the border's fully open again, um, what is that going to mean for the local economy? can't be an instant jumping off point unless you do a PCR, can you? That's, that requirement remains. Yes, yeah, I, but I, 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 I mean, I think, you know, things won't uh, move uh, instantly. Right. I think probably uh, in maybe three months' time or so, I think that PCR requirement will probably be dropped. Mm. I mean, you can see now over the last few months how quickly they've dropped yes. stage by stage. Uh, and I think uh, I was quite surprised um, at the short periods between, uh, um, you know, adjustments um, to the requirements. Of course, one, one of the things, paradoxically, yesterday, uh, my, one of my sons and his family went back to the mainland. Um, and, of course, when they get there, they can take off their masks because there isn't a mask mandate where they can, where, in the mainland. Um, does that stick out like a sore thumb now? Uh, well, I, I guess it, it might do for people when they go to China. Um, but I think uh, the, the, the mask mandate has some adverse uh, effect on people considering you know, coming to Hong Kong. Um, and the, you know, if it can be reduced further, um, say just limited to traveling on public transport, um, or actually, I mean, I think Hong Kong people will continue to wear masks anyway. Um, 
particularly on public transport. Um, mm. But if it, perhaps you have an exception for uh, non-Hong Kong people, that they don't need to wear masks, but that might be very difficult to enforce. Mm. Uh, Harry Wong, um, what do you think? Uh, I mean, obviously, we still have the mask mandate. We're still supposed to wear face masks uh, uh, indoors and outdoors unless exercising. Um, um, do you think uh, it would be a good idea to relax that? Would that make much of a difference to your business? Um, I, I think it definitely would uh, in terms of uh, staffing as well. Um, but I think, you know, even later on, once the mask mandate is, um, is terminated, we will see uh, some of the restaurants, um, you know, still encouraging staff to, uh, you know, put on the mask. I think it's just as a, um, um, you know, as a, you know, to show that, you know, they're very hygienic and clean in the restaurant as well. And I think it's just um, the mentality of the Hong Kong people just, um, you know, when they're in an enclosed area, they may choose uh, to to put on a mask. And I think this would be something long-term. I know I've spoken with a lot of friends that uh, over the last few years, they have uh, very rarely gotten ill uh, just because they usually have their mask on. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, in, in, in some, uh, uh, you know, in some way, um, you know, this is something that will be uh, a little bit more long-lasting. But, um, you know, it will be something optional. Um, but in terms of you know bringing business to Hong Kong, um, I think you know the mask mandate is not um, you know the priority. Uh, the priority is mainly you know how we can uh, really open up the business, um, and as you said, also with the PCR testing as well. Um, and we can see uh, you know Hong Kong will surely you know come back uh, you know much quicker than we expect. I believe, Mr. Amati, a long-term change in the psychology of this? Yeah, definitely. Uh, look, I mean, we, we've been asking for just pragmatism, you know, in, in, in all these measures. And I, I think that pragmatism, which typically tends to rule the private sector, is something that we've been also expecting from the public sector. Um, it doesn't make sense that across the border they don't need to wear masks and we have to wear masks here. Uh, it doesn't make sense that still in some of the schools they still have to really be... Uh, you know, they're taking the, the temperature before they go. Why, why in private schools and not in the office, office buildings, right? So I think there should be some lessons uh, learned and there should be some applications and learnings for future, future administrations that, I mean, they, they, it's better to go with pragmatism than go with uh, uh, political decisions. All right. George, is this something we should leave to the individuals? I think I think so, um, and and uh, I think you know after SARS, Hong Kong people became quite conscious about their hygiene, um, and you, you had people coming to the office when they had colds wearing masks. So I think it's something you can certainly leave to the common sense of Hong Kong people. Right. I have often, often thought when I was in the government that we must try and give. Hong Kong people a government that's as good as they are. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you yes. have what you deserve. Yeah. 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 
good. Okay, uh, I've got quite a few um, messages here from listeners, but they do relate rather more to uh, the second part of this program because uh, because after the break at nine o'clock uh, we're going to be talking about the um, Hello Hong Kong campaign, a multi-million project uh, to attract tourists and visitors uh, to come to the territory. Um, just we, we've just got a couple of minutes um, left of uh, this part of the program. Let, let's just uh, ask our guests uh, quickly if we could just get a quick uh, response from you to to the Hello Hong Kong promotion uh, in Yake Amate. I think it's good that we have the initiatives to really uh, um, convince the rest of the world that Hong Kong is is back there, back in the picture. I mean, we all, of course, we welcome to see the the. Um, the government traveling around the world and promoting Hong Kong, we really hope that they remember that Europe is still one of the most important trade partners and investors. We haven't seen moves to, uh, to uh, you know, the, the likes of the trips that we have seen to the Middle East. We hope that this changes this year. Uh, mm. Because we definitely want to remain relevant, right? Mm. Sure. Yeah, the chief executive uh, in the Middle East at the moment. Uh, uh, um, Howie Wong, your thoughts? I mean, with the, you know, the, the 500,000 tickets, you know, coming to Hong Kong, uh, I think what the industry we've been looking for is, you know, more people coming to Hong Kong. And as long as we see more visitors to Hong Kong, we will see, you know, the local businesses from um, restaurants to retail and, you know, other related, uh, you know, uh, you know, travel, travel, uh, hospitality mm-hmm. industries will surely, you know, increase um, exponentially. So, you know, it's a, it's a great campaign and, uh, you know, we're fully supportive of this campaign. And I think as our, our industry, you know, we, we're doing everything we can to support this Hello Hong Kong. Okay. Uh, and George Cawthorley, quick comment from you, if you don't mind. We've got about 20 yeah. seconds. Yeah, the, I, I mean, we, we're seeing a much more proactive attitude from this administration uh, than we have uh, from others in terms of promoting Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. It's my understanding that actually they are going to fan out around the world over the next few months. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to take every opportunity possible. And let's hope uh, uh, that, that they uh, have very uh, um, relevant uh, things to say about Hong Kong. Okay. Well, thanks very much uh, to uh, all three of you for uh, joining us uh, on the programme this morning. Like I say, we're going to take a, a break for the news summary. Quick look at the weather. Mainly cloudy today. Um, bright periods in the afternoon. Currently it's 19 degrees, humidity 86%. Smartphone users to upgrade their systems regularly, install antivirus software and only download software from official platforms and sites. You're listening to the news on RTHK. And welcome back to Back Chat with Mike Rouse and me, Jim Gould. And in this part of the programme, uh, we're talking about the new uh, multi-million dollar uh, campaign to attract tourists, the, the Hello Hong Kong uh, promotion. Um, said by the chief executive to be the, the, the biggest welcome in the world uh, ever. Um, lots of money being spent on uh, uh, half a million or more free plane tickets to be handed out, uh, um, a million spending vouchers for visitors, uh, lots of events and promotions uh, planned throughout the rest of the year. Um, just before we w- uh, welcome our next two guests for this part of the programme, uh, just a few uh, li- um, comments from listeners. Um, uh, this one from uh, Ed says, <clears throat> excuse me, um, very little has been done in the last 10 years to make Hong Kong attractive. 
Uh, one, the street markets are messy and uncared for in comparison to Taiwan and Korea. Two, Hong Kong is lacking walkability for tourists. Um, and this one from just <clears throat> relating to what we were discussing uh, before the news about uh, face masks. Uh, um, Mike says your guests should study the research on masks, the way most people in Hong Kong, including Mike Rouse, wear their masks. Uh, that type of mask wearing is useless. <laughs> there you are, Mike. Would you like to respond? Yes, I don't we think we should be wearing masks at all. Right. Okay. I would gladly throw all of mine in the bin. Right, OK. OK. Um, and, I mean, um, I must say... Um, medical people, medical guests that we've had on the programme have said that they think mask wearing is important for reducing uh, transmission of uh, the coronavirus and other... <clears throat> then other leave it up to the individual. Okay. Um, and, and listener hands, <clears throat> excuse me, says, uh, do you still need, need a negative COVID test to travel from Hong Kong to the UK? Um, no, you don't. Thank you. Um, the... Uh, you can contact us on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat, on RT, sorry, backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. Joining us now, we have uh, Stuart Bailey, Chairman of the Hong Kong Exhibition and Convention Industry Association, and Ronald Wu, uh, ex-officio member of the Hong Kong Association of Travel Agents. Um, good morning to you both. Um, Stuart, ba Stuart Bailey, uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, uh, on the Hello Hong Kong campaign? Morning. Yes. Uh, look, we're, we're excited that, that finally uh, we've reached a stage where all of the borders are open today, uh, and people can uh, at last move freely uh, between Hong Kong, China, and indeed the rest of the world. Um, I, I think it's uh, it's good that the government are being proactive. Um, you know, we, we I know there's some criticism about the campaign. Um, but I think uh, we should be uh, we should be grateful that something is being done, uh, and I, uh, I think that the campaign will uh, will certainly help uh, in uh, in getting tourists back. I mean, you know, five hundred thousand free tickets for people to travel to Hong Kong uh, is uh, is certainly a, a pretty big incentive. Um, so, so look, we we as an industry are, are absolutely one hundred percent behind the Hello Hong Kong campaign. Uh, we think it's uh, you know it's. It will certainly help us uh, to recover um, after the difficult last three years that we've had. Um, but uh, there, are, there are several other issues that we really have to kind of sort out if, uh, if this is going to be successful. Um, I mean, uh, the, the, the talk about sort of 1.5 million people coming uh, uh, to, to Hong Kong. Um, and that's great. You know, look, we've got some big events coming up uh, in, uh, in March. Um, you know, we've got uh, we've got Clock and Clap, we've got Art Basel, we've got the Rugby Sevens, yeah. uh, the TDC are running the Jewellery Fair and the Electronics Fair. And so, you know, we, it's, it's brilliant to have all these people coming back. Um, the next challenge that we face, though, is, uh, is how are we going to cope uh, with that many tourists coming in? Um, because uh, as uh, your previous caller, Howie Wong, was talking about in the restaurant trade, um, there is a severe manpower issue, uh, and that goes across the exhibition industry, retail, hospitality, you know, it, it, it's the whole gamut, um, and, and, and something needs to be done about it. I sit on the, uh, the task force for tourism recovery, um, uh, along with the associ various associations, uh, including the, uh, you know, the hotels associations, uh, the retailers associations. In fact, the, the Travel Industry Council uh, have, a, have a seat on, on, on that panel as well. Um, so perhaps Ronald will have some thoughts on this as well. But look, we, we, we need a solution.
ocean. Uh, we've been talking about it for a long time. And I know that uh, imported labour is, is a political hot potato, um, but it really does seem to be the only option uh, that we've got on the table at the moment uh, if we're going to be able to satisfy it. I mean, we've got already restaurants that can't open their full hours, uh, shops that have to shut early because they don't have the staff. Uh, I was talking to friends who were in Hong Kong last week about check-in times at hotels, uh, and the reality is they just can't turn the rooms over because they haven't got the staff. Uh, in order to do it, so so you know it, it is a it is a problem, uh, and uh, and we need the government's help uh, in uh, in sort of putting together a, a scheme to help it. Now there is a pilot scheme that the government expanded uh, recently uh, for um, visitors participating in economic activity to come to Hong Kong and work, um, but that's limited to just 14 days. Um, so so whilst it's better than nothing, it's it's not really solving the, the, the big problem that we have. Um, I met last week with the uh, trade consulate uh, from the Philippine consul. Uh, and whilst I, I absolutely, you know, there, there are many markets from which we might look to for labor, I wanted to get his thoughts on this. And, and, and he said, look, that there are, there's, there's a, a whole load of very talented, enthusiastic hospitality and customer service graduates in the Philippines, and they would be absolutely delighted if the Hong Kong government came up with a, a scheme uh, to welcome those people into the workforce in Hong Kong. Um, so, so, look, we, we, we need talented people in all sectors, and it's great that we've got you know, special schemes for uh, senior executives in finance and life sciences and all the other things. But I think we also need to recognise that, look, we need, we need to get people in who are going to do the jobs that either Hong Kongers are unwilling or unable to do. OK, uh, Ronald Wu, good morning to you. Morning. So this uh, labour shortage that Stuart Bailey was talking about, and we heard earlier, we heard hearing about earlier. I mean, it's clearly a very big issue, isn't it? But, but uh, d uh, just before we uh, get further into that, um, what do you make of the new campaign? Um, good morning. The the travel trade sector is is definitely fully fully behind and supportive of this uh, Hello Hong Kong campaign. Mm. We we have been you know we have been suffering for the last three years. Uh, it's actually literally over three years now with, with the border being closed, uh, distant, social distance restrictions and quarantine requirements. We we had only about 600,000 what so-called visitors coming in last year, which is only 1% of what it was, you know, back in 2018, 2019. So, and uh, I think we're we're a little bit behind the world in terms of opening the border. Um, having these initiatives, including the half a million free air tickets, and also uh, different spending vouchers to to encourage visitors to to visit Hong Kong as soon as they can. We will definitely uh, help help the industry to revive um, sooner. So we the trade is definitely fully supportive of this of this uh, campaign in in all aspects. Mm. Uh, when uh, we've got this campaign, what about the professionalism of the campaign? It's been people love the fact that the government is paying attention, is giving a, a lot of resources is committed to us uh, getting back out there. This is all good, all good. But uh, I see the advertising industry itself was, and the PR industry was, had some pretty negative remarks in the newspaper yesterday. Um, I, I, I'm sure a lot of research has been done in uh, before preparing this whole campaign, and, and I trust that a lot of research has been done at the at our destination markets. You know, in terms of the right. popularity of uh, you know of what 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 they would like to see about Hong Kong, 
um, who are the famous celebrities. They let you know about Hong Kong. And and personal opinion, I think I think the the video that they made with the different chairman of different chambers was actually you know quite innovative. And uh, and uh, I'm sure um, because our target audience is it's really the overseas guests which you have to come to Hong Kong. So um, and and on the, on the other hand, I'm sure the tourism board. Uh, this is only the beginning. I'm I'm quite sure they will have right. different campaign, different videos to be launched. Um, as, as time goes, for example, there may be a new one coming in March, April, um, depending on the market they're, they're targeting. So um, I guess we can we can wait for the results to see to see what what the what the reaction is like from the overseas sector. That will be that will be more relevant um, in terms of what what the campaign is trying to achieve. Yes, ultimately the test is how many more visitors do we do we get, um, and it'll it'll show up in the numbers. Uh, oh, no, I, I, I saw some of the, the, the what was written in the newspapers over the weekend, and, and I think to, to an extent, some of this is a matter of taste. And, and, and look, I know I, I get it. You know, some people like it, some people hate it. Uh, but as I said earlier, I think it's it's great that the government is out there and doing something. Um, now, I mean, I, I, I full full disclosure, I appeared in, in one of those videos, so I probably won't criticise it too much. Um, but what I what I would say as a, as a sort of mitigating factor is that. You know, we know that in, certainly in the, in the, in the early months, uh, as part of this U-shaped tourism recovery, we're going to get people coming from nearby markets. So we're talking about people coming from, you know, areas in Southeast Asia. We're talking about people coming from, uh, from mainland China. We're not necessarily expecting to see uh, a whole lot of people coming on, in on long-haul flights. And certainly the 500,000 tickets are sort of targeted towards that. So if you think about actually who we're marketing to, we're not marketing to, you know, sophisticated, sort of, you know, European and American markets. Uh, right. we're, we're, you know, we're targeting the nearby markets, and, and it may well be that actually they want something different from, from their advertising campaigns. Got it. How badly was the exhibition and convention trade a hit by the last three years? Oh, decimated. Absolutely decimated. I mean, you know, look, we... we uh, whenever the media covers the exhibition sector, uh, it talks about, you know, the book fair, it talks about the food expo, you know, it talks about a, a very tiny slice of, of the exhibition sector, uh, which is the business-to-consumer side. Uh, the, the majority of, of, of what goes on and, and the, the bulk of the economic activity is around the international trade fairs, where we're getting visitors and exhibitors to come to Hong Kong from overseas. Uh, and those fairs have either not been taking place or they've been moved to other cities, uh, and, and the whole supporting infrastructure has gone away. Um, and, and that's what I say about the, you know, the labour market. There, there used to be a whole pool of people uh, who would go from one exhibition to the next, to the next, to the next, and they would help us to build these trade shows, they would help us with registration, they would help us man information desks, they'd help us to do a whole load of things. Now, three years of, of effectively, you know, very few, almost no exhibitions, those people have moved off into other industries. Uh, mm -hmm. And now that we're starting to ramp up, we, we can't get them back uh, because they've got full-time stable jobs uh, and they're unwilling to do it. And at the same time, I mean, I was at the Careers Fair this weekend, uh, the TDC's Careers Fair, uh, and there's a whole load of different industries, aviation and, and sort of your government and firemen and policemen and um, all sorts of things in there. And they're all competing um, for, for, for sort of graduates and new talent coming through. And they're all saying the same thing, that, you know, we're, we're, we're struggling. There are not enough people in Hong Kong to fill these jobs. Right. Um, how quickly do you think we're going to be able to get these exhibitions restarted or get them back from other locations? Look, I mean, these, these 
these things don't absolutely happen overnight. There's a, I mean, there's a huge amount of enthusiasm uh, for people to come back uh, and do business. Uh, and Hong Kong is the place for it to happen. You know, it's, it's, it's got a whole set of unique advantages um, that, 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 quite frankly, the, the places that are um, competing with us, Bangkok, Singapore's, um, uh, Kuala Lumpur, Shanghai, etc., don't, don't really have. Uh, and so therefore, I, look, I, I think it's going to bounce back hard. But, you know, we, we, we always reference the pre-pandemic uh, figures. Um, and I don't think, you know, given the geopolitical situation, given, given the global economy, I don't think we are where we were in 2018 and 2019. Um, so it is, it is going to take some time. Uh, you know, Fred Lamb said, I think, yesterday that uh, the airport will get back to, you know, what it, the capacity of what it was previously in about two years' two time. Two years, yeah. Uh, I, I, I guess that the, uh, the exhibition industry will probably follow suit. Uh, and we'll be looking at something like that. But actually, that, that, that kind of gives us time to solve some of these problems. Because, right. you know, if, if we had, I think in 2018, we had 65 million tourists come to Hong Kong. Now, if, if, if that happened tomorrow, <laughs> we'd be in a lot of trouble because <laughs> we just don't have the capacity. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. apart from importation, what, what other things can we do to address this, these manpower issues? Well, look, I mean, you know, it, it's the... I'm afraid I, I don't have any other solutions, really. I mean, yes, of course, training is important. You know, we need to staff people up. Uh, you know, maybe uh, we, we, had a, we saw a whole load of civil servants uh, who came out of kind of retirement to, to man, you know, um, COVID isolation facilities and things. I wonder what those people are doing now. Um, but again, are, are those people, do they want to do jobs in these sectors, in shops and in restaurants and in hotels? Uh, and in exhibition centres, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that they do. Um, so, so, yeah, it's difficult to see past getting people in from, uh, you know, sort of either the Greater Bay Area or Southeast Asia or, or other places where, where, where talented people can come in and help us do these jobs. So, um, Ronald Wu, um, uh, Fanny Young, the Executive Director of the Travel Industry Council, I mean, she was quoted yesterday as saying uh, she thinks it will take at least a year for the tourism sector to fully recover, but is is it? Do you think it's feasible that we could, uh, you know, return, you know, return to the time when we were getting more than 60 million visitors a year? I mean, is that? Uh, uh, how long do you think that's going to take? Um, I, I I agree in the sense that um, we we shouldn't really do any uh, do a comparison directly with, with the pre-COVID time. What what's really important is is really. Um, to see an increasing number of visitors coming to Hong Kong um, because in the industry sector, um, as long as there are visitors, there will be business potential for, for travel practitioners. So, um, and, and to be honest, I, I think it, it, it doesn't, doesn't, do, doesn't do anyone good if we just keep on comparing what it was pre-COVID, what it was now. It was what we had, again, we had half a million visitors last year, so, and we do expect it to maybe, even if it, even if it grow by 10 times compared to last year, it's still only 5 million. So, um, Flight capacity is an issue. Manpower is a big issue that I think all all um, all, all hospitality sections are, are facing. So, um, in, in terms of, and, and I'm sure there'll be a new business model to be a, for for the owners of, of the travel agents. There will be new new ways to to operate the business um, in terms of how they calculate costs and and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, um, I, I I think it's a good start, but um, I, I really don't think it's it's, it's it's worthwhile to, to compare the numbers anymore. Right. Um, we mm. should go forward and, and see how we cope with the, the new normal. Mm. Um, apart from foreigners coming here or outsiders coming here, what about Hong Kong people travelling out? How's that business going? Um, 
Atlanta has recovered a lot, a lot better. Um, but again, flight flight capacity is is really what what's uh, the the biggest constraint right now because I think we only at about thirty forty percent in terms of the the flight capacity of, of Hong Kong, and we try to ramp it up to seventy percent by the end of the year. So mm-hmm. with more flights, there will be cheaper tickets, and and I'm sure by then the the outbound travel will also also be back to what it was right. before. Now you mentioned yeah. a very important point there, which is cost ticket cost. Mm-hmm. Um, people have been complaining to me over the weekend. In fact. They looked, yeah, we wanted to go, um, we, we had a look, but we saw the price and we thought, well, maybe later. Mm. Okay, um, uh, just, before we, uh, just before we get uh, another response from Stuart Bailey, just a, a few messages from listeners here. Um, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Leslie Ann says, no one's going to come to Hong Kong on holiday and wear a mask, question, uh, exclamation mark. It should be um, optional. Um, the, uh, and this one from um, uh, Mike says, free trips to Hong Kong, the best advertisement is good value once you get here, uh, not the free trip on the taxpayer's dollar. If the citizens of Hong Kong are happy, they alone would attract the world. And Elliot says, uh, the South China Morning Post reported last week that the airport authority said all related surcharges, fees and taxes would be borne by the winners of the tickets. So these air tickets might not actually be free as they are being touted. Um, that from Elliot. Um, uh, uh, Stuart Paley, yes? Uh, yeah, look, I just wanted to say, and, and uh, it's not talked about much in the media at all, but the airport authority of the 500,000 tickets mm. uh, for people to come to Hong Kong uh, have also purchased 300,000 tickets uh, for Hong Kongers to go overseas. Yeah. So, so it, is a, it is a two-way thing, and there will be more tickets available. Uh, for Hong Kongers to go on holiday, free tickets through through yeah. some of the schemes that they're running. Yeah. Um, look, I, I think all of this helps uh, because it helps to uh, increase air capacity. Um, going back to the sort of 65 million tourist figure, we don't want that, actually. That, that, that shouldn't be our aim at all. Uh, our aim really needs to be quality tourism mm-hmm. over quantity. We want to get, you know, high-spending people who are coming to the city with money, spend money in our shops and our restaurants and our hotels and, and, and our attractions. Um, so, 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 you know, to the, the, the golden rush just to get more and more and more, you know, that should not be our aim at all. Um, you know, the, the, the ticket costs are high for a number of reasons. I mean, first is obviously the, it's a supply and demand, you know. If, if you want to travel, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to travel back to the UK at Easter, uh, and the ticket prices are very, very high because there aren't, you know, if, if there's only 40% of, of the previous capacity, there aren't enough planes, there aren't enough seats, so therefore that drives the price up. We also need to remember, of course, the energy cost uh, crisis that we're going through at the moment. Uh, Hong Kong uh, being pegged US dollar uh, has got a foreign exchange problem, uh, which makes the city, you know, um, quite an expensive place to come uh, and and increases the cost of of some of those things. And of course, there's the cost of the labour, which we've already talked about uh, probably enough now. Um, But, you know, if you need to pay people more, you've got to pass that on somewhere. Uh, Ronald Wu, would you agree with that? We should be aiming for uh, quality over quantity? Uh, I mean, I, I do agree. Uh, we also need to strike a balance because the, it's, it's always a, a pyramid, right? You know, the, 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 the Thai spenders, the, the quality tourism is, 
tends to be on top of the pyramid, whereas the um, you know the average Joe would be would be the the majority of people. So I, I do agree that we should not we should not always focus on oh when are we going to get the 60 billion back, but but rather how can we make the whole experience better? For example, making the tourists stay longer than they stayed it before. You know, extend their nights in Hong Kong from two to three nights, so that there will be more chance for for everyone they need to for 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 them to um, you know to 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 increase their spending in Hong Kong. I think that that would definitely be be helpful for for our industry what about the um have our skills got rusty in some areas uh <laughs> i i think the um i think i think as as, as as it was said before we are actually also facing a very difficulties in, in hiring um people at different levels because you know a lot of people have changed their jobs the last three years um you know it's it's it's, it's we, we still, there's still not, some of them are still not convinced that the tourism industry have fully revived and that uh, we'll be here and that things are, you know, they, we're going to be able to provide them a, a promise the income in, in, the, in, the, in the coming years. So um, I'm, I'm sure it would take some time for, for everybody to, to, the tourist guy, the operational staff to, uh, to, to, get, to get up to speed again. So, um, but I, I agree that the labor issue will, will be, um, or the manpower issue will will be uh, will be a big challenge for for owners of travel agents or in the hospitality sector to uh, in order to provide quality services to tourists. So I think that's that's one thing that we definitely have to look at uh, as soon as we can. Mm. Just on what we were mentioning just now about. Uh uh, some of the free plane tickets uh, being reserved for Hong Kong people going overseas. I, I mean, that perhaps you know the rationale of that might be uh, questioned in some quarters because because uh, obviously they'll be spending, they'll be going to Japan or wherever and uh, spending their money over there rather than it happening here. On the other hand, it is demand that will lead to the flight. Uh, services coming yes, back. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sure, as Stuart Bailey said, it'll, it'll help. It'll help the certainly help the aviation industry. But uh, um, yeah, yeah, we must also remember that this is, this is taxpayers' money that's going into yeah. these things. So you know, I think it's it's reasonable that some of the money goes into supporting the economy here, uh, but then it's also reasonable that some of it goes back to the Hong Kongers to allow them who who haven't travelled probably for the last three years to. To, uh, to, to go on holiday, experience these things, and hopefully, you know, go places and tell people that they should come to Hong Kong. Do you think the campaign, uh, was a question for either of you, actually, I mean, uh, do, do you think the, the promotional campaign, Hello Hong Kong, has it, it managed to capture Hong Kong's uniqueness? Yeah. And this is a very, well, I thought it a very was pretty good. Place. I thought, look, mm. it, was, it was very high energy. Mm. Uh, you know, it's got sort of, you know, lively music. Uh, now, you can question whether or not, you know, you should be using the chief executive in the campaign. And, and look, you know, that's, that's for people to draw their own, their own conclusions as to whether that, they think that's right. Uh, but certainly, you know, prominent members of society, I, I think, are always, are always useful. It's good to see some, some pop stars and, and a few things in there. So, so you know, and, and you look at, you know, what did it show? You know, it, it shows the new attractions. You know, you've got Ocean Park in there. Mm. Um, you've got yeah. uh, the Palace Museum. Uh, you know, you've got uh, some of, some of the, the, the new things that have kind of come online. So, so I thought boldly, it, it, you know, it, it did a, a pretty good job. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ronald Wu? I mean, and actually, now we've got, the, you know, uh, uh, the Palace Museum, as was just mentioned, uh, the West Kowloon Cultural District. Uh, um, uh, are, are attractions uh, becoming uh, stronger and uh, more appealing, do you think? Uh, I think so. I mean, um, you know, we, we have opened up a few things in the last two years. Uh, West Kowloon District being 
probably the, the biggest one in, in the last 10 years with M Plus, with the Pass Museum. We also have the new Peak Tram and, you know, we also have the new cable car in Longpeng. Mm. I think, um, you know, I think it would be a, be a good, I think, uh, going back to your question, I think the, the video does capture the, uh, the latest attractions of Hong Kong. And, um, you know, what, what, what's really important again is, is we get to get people to come and, and you know, experience it themselves. So when they return to their country, uh, you know, word, word of mouth is, is probably the, 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 the key in terms of getting, getting the engine started again. So um, I, think, I think the video is, is able to do that. And, but it's only the beginning. What we really need is, is to get people to come and experience themselves, which the, uh, the half million free tickets will, will definitely be a big boost. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much uh, to both of you for joining uh, our discussion this morning. Uh, that was Ronald Wu, um, ex officio member of the Hong Kong Association of Travel Agents. And thanks very much to Stuart Bailey, uh, chairman of the Hong Kong Exhibition and Convention Industry. <clears throat> And just a reminder, uh, before nine o'clock, we heard from Inyake Amate, the chairman of the European Chamber of Commerce, George Cawthorley, the vice chairman of the International Chamber of Commerce, and Howie Wong, uh, vice chairman of the Hong Kong Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm having a bit of a problem uh, reading this morning, but I do have a, a, another me a message here from another listener, uh, TC, uh, on a, a slightly kind of different angle on things. Um, but I'll, I'll read it anyway, since we've got uh, a little bit of time. Uh, TC uh, says, uh, alongside past statements of the health secretary Lo Chung Mao, we should revisit those of other prominent figures in Hong Kong. For example, uh, one uh, LCM's uh, predecessor, Sophia Chan, who in 2020 thought not closing the border with the mainland was due to concerns of the feelings of mainland China. So does that mean that until now, mainland China had been indifferent to the feelings of Hong Kongers? Uh, two, Junius Ho, who thought uh, coexisting with the virus is uh, breaking the national security law, so our authority is breaking the NSL, in his view. Uh, I'm not suggesting anyone is wrong, nor being overly political, but rather I'm curious on whether their views a year or two ago are the same, given the current circumstances, and if their views change, the reasons for it. Okay, thank you. That from uh, TC. Um, thanks to everybody who wrote in. Thanks very much to you, Mike. I think you've got to fix your voice Jim. yes i know yeah yeah i'll have to do something with it yeah all right um let's have a look at the weather so uh it's going to be mainly cloudy today coastal mist in the morning and at night bright periods in the afternoon uh what's it uh, top temperature around 21 degrees light to moderate easterly winds the outlook mild and misty tomorrow windier on wednesday currently it's 19 degrees humidity is at 86 percent any additions or alterations made to buildings without the prior approval of the building's department or irregularities of building works associated with subdivision